Grab your Bibles and open them up to the book of John. All right, John chapter 10, let's read. I tell you the truth. Anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold, rather than going through the gate, must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him. The sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name, leads them out. After he's gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. They won't follow a stranger. They'll run from him because they don't know his voice. Those who heard Jesus use this illustration, they didn't understand what he meant. So he explained to them, I tell you the truth. I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me were thieves and robbers. But the true sheep did not listen to them. Yes, I am the gate. Those who come in through me will be saved. They will come and go freely. They'll find good pastures. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He'll abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him. He isn't their shepherd. So the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money. And he doesn't really care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own sheep. They know me. And just as my father knows me and I know the father, so I sacrifice my life for the sheep. I have other sheep too. They're not in the sheepfold. I must bring them also. They'll listen to my voice, and they will be in one flock with one shepherd. You know, as you read the scripture and you go through and you maybe back up to John 8 and John 9 and sort of study the scriptures and you see that Jesus is having conversations with all kinds of people, not just his disciples, but the religious leaders. And, and the religious leaders were often wondering, you know, like, who is this Jesus? I want you to think about this. If you were, say, at a restaurant, a coffee shop somewhere, and you sat down, and the person across from you or just some stranger walks in and just has a seat near you, and maybe you're wearing something that shows that you're a Christian, or maybe you had a Bible with you or something, or they see a, a cross on your keychain or something, and they look at you and they go, you're one of those Jesus people. You're a Christian. And they say, who is Jesus to you? How would you answer that? How would you answer that question? Who is Jesus to you? What kind of response do you give? Because in these biblical times, if you were to tell the religious leaders, oh, I know who Jesus is. He is the Son of God. He is the Almighty Savior. Oh, they would, I would say they'd laugh their heads off. But what they would really do, they would pick up stones and try to take your head off. They didn't think it was funny. It was serious. It was blasphemy. To call Jesus the Son of God, the Messiah? Is he really a leader and a king? In John chapter 10, Jesus tries to help those in his presence understand who he is, his identity. So Jesus calls himself the Good Shepherd in this passage. We've heard him call the resurrection and the life. He's called himself the Bread of Life. He's the Light of the World. And now he's the Good Shepherd. What does that mean? A shepherd. I mean, didn't we just say that he's a great leader? He's a Messiah? The King of Kings? Shepherd. Why shepherd? See, those who knew the scriptures, 
those who'd gone to the temples and the religious temples and the places the, the scrolls were unwritten and Old Testament prophets were, were read from, they would have heard this term before. They would have known about the shepherd. Ezekiel 34, let me read this to you. Verses 1 to 4 says, Then the message came to me from the Lord, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds, the leaders of Israel. Give them this message from the sovereign Lord. What sorrow awaits you shepherds? Again, talking to the leaders. Who feed yourselves instead of your flocks. Shouldn't shepherds feed their sheep? You drink the milk. You wear the wool. You butcher the best animals. But you let your flocks starve. You've not taken care of the weak. You've not tended the sick or bound up the injured. You've not gone looking for those who have wandered away and are lost. Indeed, you've ruled over them with harshness and cruelty. Oh, Ezekiel called them out. You call yourself a leader. You're a shepherd and you're not even taking care of the sheep. You're not a shepherd. You're not a, you're not a leader. Of course, in this day, we wouldn't use the term shepherd, right? We would say president or my boss or my CEO or my CFO or my, I don't know, CDEFG, elemental P. There's so many letters and initials today, right? We've got all these leadership positions, but we wouldn't say shepherd. Why would we say shepherd, right? In John chapter 10, Jesus looks at the crowd, and he, he does this so great. He looks around and goes, okay, what can I say that you can all relate to and you would understand? And he sees the people of his time. And who knows, maybe off in the distance there were some shepherds and some sheep that were just going across. I'm the good shepherd. Right away, they knew what a shepherd was. They knew what a shepherd did. Possibly comparing the life of a shepherd and sheep to ourselves and himself, we would have a better understanding of our need as sheep for a shepherd. And then we think about this like, well, why would we need a shepherd? Why do we need a king? Why do we need a ruler? Why do we need a leader? As it is, many of us, we don't see the need for a savior, right? Frank Sinatra, remember his song? I did it my way, right? Remember that? All right, well, I think we all sort of feel that way. A lot of times we say, I don't need advice. Don't tell me how to do it. I've got it. I've got it all under control. We don't need anybody's advice. Isaiah 53, 6 says this. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We've all gone our own way. We've basically done this. We've left God's path in order to follow our own path. We don't need God's way. I'll, I'll be my own shepherd. I'll be my own leader. You think about this. Can we really do it on our own? Right now, wherever you're sitting, just go ahead and assess your life. How are you doing with being your own leader, your own shepherd? How are you doing with controlling your moods? And how are you doing with controlling your own spending and your own love for power or for lust or for money? How are we at keeping peace with everyone? How are we doing as far as in need of forgiveness? Are we perfect or are we messing up? I'd like to be able to say this with all surety and 100% that all of us in this room would probably say, I'm not perfect. I need help in one of those areas. We need a shepherd. We need somebody to help us. We can't do it our own way. Like sheep, we've wandered. Like sheep, we have one who's called a thief in John 10.10 who wants to obliterate us. 
He wants to steal us. He wants to steal away our joy. He wants to take our life. We are in need of a Savior. So this Savior, Jesus Jesus Christ, describes himself as the shepherd, the good shepherd. So what does a shepherd look like? Naturally, we would describe a shepherd as hardworking, fearless, right? patient, self-sacrificing. But as we read through John 10 and as we read through the Bible and we look what a shepherd is, we discover there's a few more things that we see lived out in the life of Jesus Christ. If you look in your Bible, you see this. He goes, he calls his sheep by what? Their name, right? He knows his sheep. Sheep are raised for wool, not meat. So they were around a long time, okay? And you become familiar with them They're almost like a pet. I grew up on a farm. We raised pigs. We raised steers. We raised them up to feed them up, to fatten them up, to send them out. We didn't give them names. Do not give them a name. If you did, it was usually a nasty name because you didn't like them, right? But sheep, no. The shepherds got to know their sheep. In time, shepherds, their voice was very familiar with their sheep. They knew their master. They could share a similar pen with other sheep from other shepherds. They'd come in, and when that shepherd got up and he called them by name, those sheep knew the shepherd was leaving, and they would follow their shepherd. They responded. We all want to be called by name, don't we? You ever been in a crowd with a bunch of people, and you're probably saying, Rex, I wish you'd call me by my name instead of saying, hey, you. Sorry. But we've all been there, right? Hey, you. My, My name's not... Hey, you, right? I'll never forget a camp that we held, and I probably have shared this with you before, but our, our FCA uh, leadership was in charge of a camp at a church, and um, we are like, all right, we didn't know the kids, but we came in to help run it. And at the end of the week, we wanted those kids to feel like a million bucks. We wanted them sort of like in the book of Hebrews where it talks about uh, where there's a great crowd of witnesses and surrounding. It's like you're being cheered on by heaven itself. We thought, let's, let's let these kids feel like a million bucks. So we had the kids lined up in, in, the, in the gym, and we, made, we built this big tunnel with all the parents. It was the last, this was the last night, you know, we're going to give them a certificate and pat them on the back and say, it's been a great week at a vacation Bible school or at this camp. And, and we called them out by name, and I had, the, I had the megaphone, and I had the list of names. And it's like, let's have fun with this, right? So they got this big tunnel with a loudspeaker in one hand. I call out the first kid's name. Justin! And here comes Justin running down. Everybody's clapping and cheering. They're so exciting. I look at my list. Sally! Sally comes running out. She's all big. Just big, happy face. And the next one I go, Ricky! It wasn't Ricky. I felt so horrible because I look at the clipboard. I I didn't know him. I'm just looking at the clipboard and I called his name and he's just sort of like, I'm not Ricky, you know? And one of the leaders from the church that was there that knew all the kids leaned goes, that's not Ricky. I said, I sort of figured he's not moving. So who is it, right? It was embarrassing for me, disappointing for him. I felt worse. It was like, it wasn't so much about I screwed up. It was how embarrassing it is when you're waiting for your name to be called and they don't call out your name. They call it the wrong name, right? Sometimes that happens by accident. But here's the thing. That doesn't happen with our Heavenly Father. God isn't like, Sam! Steve, 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 Steve. He doesn't do that. 
God knows exactly who's doing this. He doesn't mess up our names. He calls us out by our name. No clipboard needed, no list of names required. God knows each of you by name. In John 1.43, when Jesus was walking along early in his ministry, he approached Philip. Listen to what it says here. The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and he said to him, come follow me. Philip was from Bethsaida, Andrew, and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we found the very person that Moses, the prophets, wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph of Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael. How can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. And as they approached Jesus, Jesus looks at him and says, Now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. And Nathanael looked at Jesus and said, How do you know me? How do you know me? Jesus knows you. Your Heavenly Father knows you. There's no messing up when it comes to calling your name. Luke 19.5, we read when Jesus was walking, he came and he looked up in a tree and he saw that tax collector. Remember his name? Zacchaeus. And what did he do? Hey, tax guy. No. Hey, you. No. First words out of Jesus' mouth. Zacchaeus. Come on down. Call him by name. Mary's standing by the tomb, John 20, 11. She's crying. She weeps. She looks in the tomb. She saw two white-robed angels in there. One sitting at the head and the other at the foot of the place where the body of Jesus had been lying. And the one angel said, Dear woman, why are you crying? She said, Because they've taken away my Lord. She replied, I don't know where they put him. And she said, Show me where he is. And then another voice said this, Dear woman, why are you crying? And she said, Sir, if you know where they've laid him, tell me. And then Jesus said this, because it was Jesus, Mary. And she turned right away and looked at Jesus and saw her risen Savior. He calls us by name. He calls us by, by our name when we think, God doesn't know me. I'm a nobody. Or maybe we're the ones that are messing up and we're cheating people. And it's like, God doesn't know me, like Zacchaeus, but he knows you. Or maybe you're in pain and you're hurting and you're thinking, I'm hurting right now and God calls you by name. Whatever your situation is, he knows you. Just like a shepherd knows his sheep. You know what amazes me about all this? Is that God has complete knowledge of all of us. He knows everything we've done. He knows our good and our bad. He knows the sins we've committed. He knows what we were doing yesterday. He knows everything about us. And he still loves us. Isn't that amazing? He still loves us. He knows our weaknesses, our tendencies, our likes, dislikes. He knows what distinguishes us from other people. And he says, I still love you. Romans 5, 8 says, but while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And God showed his great love for us. Understand this. The shepherd knows you. Here's the second thing I want you to hear. The shepherd leads us out. The shepherd leads us out. He goes before his sheep. Because he knows us, and now we get to know him, we've got to build some trust there, right? God says, listen, I know you. I want you to know me. I want you to follow me. I'm going to lead you in the right direction. But you've got to follow 
He walks ahead. The shepherd walks ahead of sheep. The shepherd does not walk behind a sheep and prod and scream and yell. A shepherd in those days walked in front of their sheep and they followed. Whatever the direction the shepherd went, they went. In Jeremiah, God speaks to the leaders and he said to them as they were seen as shepherds, Therefore, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to the shepherds. Instead of caring for my flock and leading them to safety, you've deserted them. You've driven them to destruction. Instead of going in a way that leads to life, these shepherds were driving them. Here's the thing about a good leader. A good leader leads by walking in front of the people, not behind the people, telling them where to go. He leads by example. She leads by example. That's what leaders do. That's what the shepherd does. Jesus calls us by name and he says, follow me. Follow me. Where does Jesus lead us out of? Oh, he leads us away from a lot of stuff that are destructive. Whether it's materialism, abuse, selfishness, loneliness, the list could go on and on. The direction that Jesus leads us is in the right direction. A path of right living. Psalm 23 the Lord is my shepherd. Remember that whole section, Psalm 23? Verse 3 of that, section, of that section, that chapter says, He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to His name. His direction is life-giving. Life-giving. Here's the third thing about the shepherd. One, He knows us by name. He leads us in the right direction. Here's the third thing. The shepherd gives us abundant life. Abundant life. We're not just talking about a pleasant life. We're not talking about a happy life. We're talking about an abundant life. I'm not one of those preachers that gets up in front and talks about the the riches of, you follow Jesus, and you follow Jesus, you're going to be rich. I don't do that, okay? Because that's not biblical. That's not the abundant life I'm talking about. And don't ask me why I tried to have a southern voice. That made no sense at all, right? (laughs) See, we don't preach that up north. You go down south. I have no idea. My cousin down in South Carolina right now, if he heard me, he would be so mad at me. So anyway, I read a story one time about Arnold Palmer. He's a famous golfer. A lot of you know who Arnold Palmer is as a golfer. And one time he went golfing with these, some very important dignitaries from Saudi Arabia. And the king of Saudi Arabia that he's golfing with had such a great time with Arnold Palmer. He was like, he's like, I'd like to give you something. I, I, I want you to travel with me to Saudi Arabia and, and I want you to golf with me there. And so he's like, okay. So the king asked him over. He went. He had a great time as he golfed with his king. And he, after flying back from Saudi Arabia, the, the king had said to him, he goes, listen, I'd like to give you something. You know, you came and you golfed with me. I, I want to give you something. Just sort of remember our new relationship. And he's like, sure. Um, I, like, I collect golf clubs. Probably most golfers do, right? So he goes, I, because he really didn't want anything at first, but the king kept us, you know, insisting golf club would be fine. So when he got home, he told his wife, he said, hey, there's a package coming. If you see it, it's probably the package is in the shape of a golf club. It's from this king. So just let me know when it arrives. And, and no package arrived and for a while. And then a few days later, this package showed up. And uh, she said, it's here, but it doesn't look like a golf club. It's a small package. So he got home, and he thought to himself, well, maybe it's like cufflinks. Maybe it's cufflinks with little golf clubs on it. So he opened up the box, and he started pulling these papers aside, and and there wasn't anything in there but papers. But then he looked at the papers, and he discovered that these papers were the deeds 
to a golf course in Saudi Arabia. He got a course. He got the carts and clubs. He got everything. He never expected that. Because you see, the king gave him something bigger than what he thought he would ever get. Isn't that what the king of kings does? We think that Jesus is going to bless us, right? And help us in life. But the king of kings says, I want to give you more. I want to give you abundant life. In our minds, we picture abundance as wealth. We picture abundance as far as health. We picture abundance as far as all these good things happening to us. That's not the abundance we're talking about. God blesses us with so much more in an abundant life. Here's the fourth thing about the shepherd. He gives his life up for his sheep. He sacrifices his life for the sake of the sheep. Long sleepless nights, the comfort of a bed, a warm bath, fresh food, freedom from the fending off of wolves or bears or other predators. That's what a shepherd does. He gives up all the comfort to do all of that, right? All given up for the sake of the sheep. And instead of running away when the predator come, the shepherd stands and fights. Instead of saying, well, I'm going to go home and get a bath and get a good night's rest, he stays in the pen where his sheep are. He leaves the comfort of himself and stands for the sheep. Why? Why would a shepherd do that? It's called love. It's called love. Because, see, we have a shepherd that loves us. From day one, he loved us. He's never stopped loving us. No matter how many times we wander away, and we may act in a way that hurts others, we may do things that are so disobedient from God, but he says, I still love you. I still love you. Church, listen. He knows me. The shepherd knows me. The shepherd leads me. The shepherd gives me abundant life. The shepherd gives up his own life for me and you. That's what the shepherd does. And for these reasons, we can trust the shepherd. For these reasons, we can trust the shepherd. When he says he's the gate, the only way, there's a meaning behind that. Look at John chapter 10, verse 1 and 2. John chapter 10, verse 1 and 2. I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than go through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber, but the one who enters through the gate is a of the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. Look at verse 7. So he explained to them, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. Not only is he the good shepherd, he's the gate for the sheep. What is that all about? You have to understand, there's two, two kinds of sheepfolds back in biblical times, okay? There's one sheepfold that might be in town where there's an actual door, an actual gate, okay? And they had guards who were hired there to be there. But the second kind of sheepfold would be out in the middle of the country, and would have walls, but there was just an open door area. There was no door to close. There was no gate. So the shepherd, after they got all the sheep inside, the shepherd would go sit down in front of that doorway. He became a gate. There's no way sheep could go out unless they went through him. There's no way a thief could come in unless he went through him. He was the gate. This is what Jesus is talking about. Right away, his listeners understood that. They understood that a door divides us from the inside and the outside. They get that. One location from another. A door gives us access. A door gives us security. I remember one time we took off, and I don't know if it was vacation or where we went. We were gone for a couple of days. We came home, and I remember the garage door being up. You know what kind of feeling that gives? 
You know what I'm saying? We've been gone how long? That garage door's been up this whole time? You get that eerie feeling. Your security's all gone, right? And you wonder if you go inside the house, is everything going to still be there? That was, it was a sick feeling. My heart was racing. Fortunately, nobody went in, which to me was amazing. Jesus said this, I'm the door. I am the door. No one enters without his knowledge. No one comes through. He's the only way in. Psalm 121.8 says this, The Lord keeps watch over you as you come and go, both now and forever. John 14.6, Jesus said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No man comes unto the Father except what? Through me. He's the gate. He makes an exclusive claim that he is the way. There's no other way to heaven. There's no other way to God. He's the only way. And sometimes people look at Christians and they say, you guys, you think you know it all. You're, you're so proud and so you're so pompous and you say, you're the only way. Jesus is the only way. You know what we're doing? We're just stating truth. It is truth. I'm not giving you my opinion. I'm giving you truth. Jesus is the only way. The only way. Sometimes I just want to look back at people and sort of quote that line from that movie. Truth, you can't handle the truth, right? But that is truth. Paul says anyone can enter, but you can enter only one way. Ephesians 2.18 says this. Now all of us can come, all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. The good news is that we have a shepherd. Tell the person next to you, I've got good news. Go ahead, tell them. Okay, now tell them what that good news is. I've got a shepherd. Go ahead and tell them. Okay, now look at them and say, I've got bad news. Tell them you have a pinto. Just kidding. Just making sure you're alert with me. Some of you know what a pinto is. The younger generation has no clue. When I was in high school, uh, there was the pinto car, the small car, and you remember it was a very tragic thing. Somebody hit the back of the pinto and it blew up. Do you remember that? My brother had a pinto. We came home from church one Sunday night. We went off. We had the ice patch. We went off the road, spun out, went into a field. I got out of the car. I saw smoke coming out of the back of that car, and I ran. It's a pinto. It's going to blow up. You know? It didn't blow up. All right, we alert. Okay, so here's the thing. We've got good news. We've got good news. We've got a shepherd. We've got a shepherd. But there is bad news. There's a thief. He wants to steal you out of the sheepfold. Church, do not. Let the thief get you. Your shepherd loves you too much for you to be running away. In July of 2000, there's an ex-Olympic sprinter, you may remember his name, Ben Johnson. He uh, was overseas in Rome, and while in Rome, he had his wallet lifted, stolen. $4,000 cash inside that wallet. First of all, I'm sitting there thinking, who carries $4,000 in their wallet, right? Ben Johnson was, okay? That wallet got stolen by a small group of gypsy girls. Now, first of all, like I said, I can't imagine how much money, but what amazed me is this, is that they outran him. He's an Olympic sprinter, and these little gypsy girls outran him with his money. And I thought about this. Uh, these simple, sweet little girls were cunning little thieves. Uh, they were well-practiced in their methods. They knew how to pickpocket the best of them. So I read in this vacationer's guide to Rome, and no, we're not going to Rome, okay? But I read in this uh, that it said this, that although violent crimes are rare in Rome, 
pickpockets and con artists are frequent. They happen often, okay? The article said, even if accompanied by the best guide money can buy, you still have to be extremely careful to ensure that their valuables and documents are not stolen. You can be surrounded by the best, right? And still be taken by thieves. The article went on to say this. This is, just like wolves, thieves and other trick artists, con artists, smell their prey coming a mile off. They spend their entire day looking and listening for a vulnerable animal to pick off from the herd and make a meal of it. As I was reading that, I thought, this is John 10. This is John 10. Because in John 10, Jesus teaches that he's a shepherd and those who place their faith in him are like sheep. And it goes on to say what? He warns us that as sheep, we have to be alert to who? The thief and to wolves, right? When trouble comes, they run. They're easily picked off by the wolves. That's what happens with sheep. Jesus gets to the point in verse 10 by saying that the thief comes to what? Kill, steal, and destroy, right? So we're warned that Satan, our opposition, will want to come in and pick us off. So I was thinking about this as a sheep. I better make sure I'm following my shepherd. Where my shepherd goes, I better be going. So church, I want to encourage you. Here's just the thing. I went back to that vacationer's guide to Rome, and I read the following. The best prevention is being prepared and aware, and most importantly, to look like a difficult target. There will always be thieves, so figure out how not to fall prey to those sneaky wolves. So I was thinking about this. Satan wants to take us out. Church, we're trying to grow, not as a building, not in number, but we're trying to grow closer to our Savior. That's the last thing Satan wants for us. He does not want you knowing Jesus any better than you know him today. So church, we better be prepared. Okay? I'm not talking about locking doors and being all nervous and scared. I'm talking about walking in victory. Okay? So here's the thing. As a sheep, stay close to the shepherd. Stay close to the shepherd. Pray. Spend more time in God's word. See him, meet with him on a consistent basis. Here's the other thing. Stay close to the flock. What they say? When the sheep scatter, they get picked off easily. Stay close to the flock. Hang out with those who are Christians. Get into a small group. Study with others who are studying God's word. You better pick the right friends. Because I'm going to tell you something. Paul is right. Bad company corrupts good character. You hang out with the wrong people, you will go in the wrong direction. Hang out with the right people, you go in the right direction. Choose your friends carefully. As a sheep, don't hang out by the fence, right? Too many of us believers, we ride the fence. We get right up next to that fence. Here's the world out here. Here's Jesus. We've got our own little thing going on here. But I like hanging by the fence. Why is that? Because I still sort of like doing what we're doing over here. You're easy prey. You're easy prey. Oh, but it doesn't, it's not that bad that I hang out over here and do stuff with all these people. Oh, no, no. But you're easy prey. You're easy pickings for Satan. Standing close to that fence makes you an easy snatch. Jesus Christ, our shepherd, loves us. And he desires to have a credible relationship with us. But we have to remember we have opposition who wants to obliterate us. Like sheep, we have to learn to be obedient. We have to do the hard thing. Listen, it's not about being happy. It's about being holy, right? Sometimes obedience is so hard. But I know this, obedience leads to victory. And some of us, we're just like, well, I'm not seeing the victory in my life. I'm not, I'm not seeing the big thing. Okay, so like, let me give you an example. Yesterday, there was a big parade for the basketball team, right? I mean, they, they lost. They were runner-up. But you know what? They had a huge parade, a huge celebration. There were so many people in the stands at Columbus. Thousands from this community 
cheered them on. It was an incredible sight. And then they come home and they got a parade. My junior year, we won state in football. And I'll never forget riding the bus home with the team. We had a three-mile caravan going from Indianapolis all the way to South Bend, Indiana. We got back to the school. They had a big pep rally for us. There was not an open seat in that gym. It was awesome. We were state champs. We were victors. And we felt the spoils of it all. The following year, I was a senior in high school. And our choir, they actually did a state championship in choir in Indiana. First time ever. We went down to state. We won state. I went up on stage. I got the trophy. Hoisted it up. Yeah. You okay? So one year as a football player, one year as being in the choir, state championship, state championship. Coming home from that state championship in choir, we got home. Oh, by the way, there was no caravan. Nobody followed behind the bus. We got to the school. There was three parents outside. Welcome home, state champs. That's it. All right? Listen, we were, we were champs. We didn't have no parade. Okay? We were champs, but there was no huge celebration. Now, of course, a couple of parents, because that's what parents do, we really good at this, call it up to the administration. You need to have a pep rally for the choir. It's like, great. They did a, like two weeks later, they did a pep rally at the school, and it was, yeah, anyway. There's going to be times you're saying, you know what, I'm following Jesus. I'm following my shepherd. I'm trying to be obedient. I'm staying away from the fence. I'm hanging out with the other sheep. But I don't feel like in my victory I'm seeing anything. Well, maybe you don't need to look. Maybe that victory isn't all about what you're going to get. Maybe that victory isn't all about the big celebration and the parades and the caravans and the applause of others. All you need is Jesus just looking at you and saying, Well done. Well done. Stay close to me. I'm your shepherd. I'm your shepherd. Church, it takes time. It takes discipline, you know, to live out that life as a good sheep, right? But Jesus is our shepherd. He wants to care for you. He loves you so dearly. He does not want you snatched up by the wolves or by the thieves. So what kind of relationship do you have, church, with that shepherd? He knows you by name. Oh, he loves you. He wants to walk right there with you. He wants you to follow him. Don't run ahead of him. How are you doing with that, church? It's a daily battle, isn't it? Because we all want to do it our way. He knows us. He leads us. He offers that abundant life to us. And he loves us so, so much. He's my shepherd. Is he yours? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for being an awesome God. I thank you, Lord, for this church that we can come worship you. But, God, I thank you more so even for your word, your truth. Because, God, I know so many times it's easy for us, so easy for us to want to do things our way. To do things in a way that says, "This this is what I feel I need to do. We got in the midst of our feelings for what we need to do. We forget it's not about us. God, I thank you for a reminder that you are the good shepherd. You know us by name. You know everything about us. God, not only do you know everything about us, you still love us in spite of that. God, I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you 
give us direction to go in a way that brings life and not death. And I thank you that you give us abundant life. But God, there might be somebody in here this morning that's, that's not there. They're still doing things their own way. God, help us to know there's, there is a way that is right. And you're it. Church, every head bowed, every, every eye closed, nobody looking around. I want to ask you, church. Is he your shepherd? Do you know how much he loves you? Are you following him? Or are you not a part of that flock? Sort of out on your own. Maybe he is your shepherd, but you're hanging near the wall. You're, you're an easy pick right now. Right where you're sitting, if you need to confess, confess. If you're struggling right now with things going on in your life, just confess. Give it to him. Give it to him. He's an awesome God. He's an almighty God. He can handle whatever you want to bring his way. Go ahead and confess it. We're going to sing a song a little bit. Every head bowed, every eye closed. We're going to sing a song a little bit. And as we sing the song, I want to encourage you. If you need to keep praying or you need to come up here and pray with me, do what you need to do. But make sure that you get things right with God before you leave this place. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're an incredible God who loves us. We thank you for being the good shepherd. We thank you that you love us so much, you don't want us to stay where we're at. You want us to have that relationship with you. God, I thank you for this time we've had this morning to look into your word, to draw near to you, to find truth. We thank you that you give us joy that we we can't describe when we have this eternal life. God, I thank you again for all you bless us. Lord, now as we sing to you, as we sing to you, God, just continue to work on us. We're not done here. We're not done here. You need to work on us. Work on us, God. In thy name we pray. Amen. Would you please stand as we sing?